starting a new series this week called Weird. And honestly, over the last 10 years, I've had a lot of people tell me that new life is weird. <clears throat> and, and I say thank you. So if anybody tells you that this is a weird church, you say, yes, we are. Thanks. Thanks for noticing. Um, we intentionally start out 10 years ago to reach people that other churches weren't reaching. So we figured we had to do church a little differently than other churches were doing it. We don't think we're better than any other church. We just think we're different. And we do that on purpose because we want to reach people who are far from God. We think it's unacceptable that anybody within driving distance of this church should go to hell. And we'll do whatever we need to. If that means offend Christians... So that they go somewhere else? What's the worst case scenario? If we offend Christians and they leave here, but we still are here to tell non-Christians about Christ, what's the worst case scenario? Other Christians go to other churches. We'll see them in heaven. But if nobody intentionally looks for lost people, what happens to them? I just think it's unacceptable that anybody in this day and age does not hear about Jesus in a way that they can understand. And so we're, we're weird on purpose. But, but don't just take my word for it. James has put together kind of a collage of, uh, of weird videos we've done. And you be the judge. Is new life weird? You'll get to vote at the end. Check this out. So, dude, what's your name? My name is Troy of the Underworld. Wow, interesting. Um, so what are you going to sing for us? God is cooler than Dungeons and Dragons. Seven News Team Special Report. Amidst a hurricane of controversy caused last week by Seawash, or Caleb Washburn, there has been a news conference called for this morning. Here now is that press conference. Oh, you call him a man. How many seas?
would you agree that any church that spends that much time filming and editing things like that is kind of weird? Yes? Okay. Thank you. Now, we do it on purpose because one of the things that I've discovered is when people laugh and they, they don't take themselves so seriously, then all of a sudden God's word can become very real. And a lot of people walk in here and they have these walls up about um, what's going to happen. And is this preacher going to be for real? Is this preacher going to um, you know, be some kind of fraud? Is he going to ask for something from me that I don't want to give? And, and we, just, we want you to come in. We want you to hear some good music. We want you to clap your hands. We want you to move. We want to cause you to laugh from time to time because when you do, the defenses come down and then you begin to listen to God's message. And, and it's all about God's message. It's all about the God of the universe who loved you so much that he sent Jesus to die for you. And that's what we want you to hear over and over again because we believe it's a dangerous message. And when you give your heart and your life to that message, you'll never be the same. And the people in your family will never be the same. You'll change generations. You'll change destinies. And that's what we want to do. Now, there's a good kind of weird and there's a bad kind of weird. How many of you know people that are bad kind of weird? Don't point. Just raise your hand. Don't point at them. That's, that's not cool. All right? There's a good kind of weird, or I should say a God kind of weird, and that's what we're talking about. We're not just talking about being weird for weird. We're talking about being God kind of weird because Jesus in his day was considered weird. His teachings were very strange for his day, and his teachings are even stranger for us today. And if Jesus was considered weird, and his teachings were weird, and I'm a follower of Jesus, what does that make me? Weird. It should. But we're going to find out that that's not necessarily the case. Look what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. Or I'm going to call that the weird gate. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow or the weird gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who find who choose that way. And the many we're going to call normal. Weird people are like Jesus. Normal people go to hell according to this. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few weird people ever find it. Jesus is saying that if you're doing what everybody else is doing, you're probably on the highway to hell. And, and I, you know, that was a song that I listened to, ACDC. And, and it's just such a brilliant piece of, of writing. Don't need reason. Don't need rhyme. Ain't nothing I would rather do going down by the time. My friends are going to be there too. I'm on a highway to hell. On the highway to hell. Highway to hell. I'm on the highway to hell. That is just brilliant writing. And they talk about all their friends are going to be there, but here's the stupid thing about that song. I mean, I sang it. I, I got to tell you, I was an ACDC fan back in the day. I wasn't weird yet. I hadn't really gotten... Uh, onto the Jesus thing yet. And, and they think that everybody's going to be there and it's going to be this big party. According to Jesus, hell is going to be incredibly painful, incredibly lonely. There will be suffering that will never end. And you're going to do it all by yourself. I think that's part of what hell is, as you are by yourself. I think you may even be able to hear the screams of other people in torment, but you never see them. There's never any comfort. The only party, according to Jesus is in heaven. That's where the reunions are. That's why when someone dies who's a Christ follower, I can say to the family, this is not goodbye. It's see you later. And I can't wait for that see you later. 
I can't wait when I walk down the streets of gold and my Savior welcomes me and I get to see my grandparents who have gone on before me. I get to see loved ones who have gone on before me. That's the only party where you get to hang out with other people is in heaven. And if only the weird people find that, I want to be weird. I do not want eternal torment in hell. And I don't want to brag about this lifestyle that I have where me and my friends are going to party in hell. No, you don't understand if you think that's what hell is like. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to give you two reasons to be weird. And I'm going to give you three statements about weirdness that are going to carry us through the next six weeks. We're going to be weird for six weeks. Actually, we're going to be weird for a lifetime, but we're going to focus on our weirdness for six weeks. Here's the first statement. Why be weird? The majority is usually wrong. In, in, I dare you to find in Scripture a time that the majority was right. They voted on lots of stuff, and they were usually wrong. Usually there's one or two people who said, no, 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 don't do this thing before God. God said, let's do this. So there's usually one or two people. Caleb and Joshua... Everyone else said, no, we can't do this. And they said, God said we could do it. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. The majority was usually wrong. And it took some some strong people to stand up and say, I want to do this. Now, how many of you have heard about the Titanic? Do you know how many passengers and crew were on the Titanic? A lot. Okay, yeah, that's close enough. 2,223. You know how many people died when the Titanic sank? A lot. 1,517. Did a little bit of math. That's a little over 31% survived. 68, almost 69% of people on the Titanic died for a great cause. Right? The majority died needlessly. A painful death, a scary death. Now, if you were on the Titanic, which group would you want to be in? The majority? Or would you want to be one of the 706 who survived? Again, I choose life. I don't want to to be one who dies needlessly, who lives this life needlessly, who dies needlessly. I choose life. But that's not normal. When you were a kid... And you were caught doing something wrong by your mom, your dad, your teacher, some authority figure. Did you ever try the, but everyone else was doing it defense? It didn't work then, and it doesn't work now. If everyone's doing it, you should seriously question your life. Because you're probably on the highway to hell. And you're probably leading friends and family and loved ones to hell with you. Jesus said, Jesus, not me, Jesus said... The way to true life is narrow and not many people find it. Only weird people find it. And man, I just pray that that more than 30% of this crowd is on the narrow path which leads to heaven. Because I can't bear the thought of someone here going to hell. And I do this quite often. I think about Palestine. Palestine's 18,000. If the numbers hold true... Supposedly, 5,000 people in Palestine are on the narrow road, which means 13,000 people are on the highway to hell in Palestine. I just find those numbers unacceptable. Normal 
is going to cause billions and billions of people to go to hell. And we can't be normal. We can't afford to be. Why be weird? There's a second reason. Normal isn't working. Okay, let's just take, let's take Jesus and the Bible out of this because we got some people here that aren't real sure about the whole God thing and we welcome you. We, want, we started this church for you. We got people here that aren't sure about the God thing. So just for a minute, let's take Jesus, the Bible, God. Let's take all of that out of the equation. And, and I, I'm willing to bet if you'll think rationally for just a moment, you'll say that normal isn't working. Forget, forget what we say about the Bible. Normal isn't working because let's, let's just look at schedules. What is normal when it comes to your schedule? Overwhelmed, rushed, stressed, panicked, never enough time to do what's really important because we're so stinking busy. Normal is falling into bed, exhausted at night, waking up early the next morning, trying to get done what you didn't get done the first day, never resting because it's out of control pace. That's normal, right? Is that working? There's more stress-related illnesses now than there's ever been. Because we're trying to keep up with somebody, we don't even know what. It's like the person running, they don't even know why they're scared. Just running. What are you running from? I don't know. Got to get somewhere. Running on a treadmill. What is normal when it comes to money today? Normal's broke. Normal is in debt so far that we can't even see how much. We've forgotten how much it is. We don't even know how much debt we have. Normal is busting out the credit cards. Not, not asking, should you afford it or can you afford it? It's just, well, I've got credit. Have I got enough credit? Normal is flat broke. I don't want to be normal. What is normal when it comes to professional, to your, your work life? Normal is usually working at a job that you can't stand, thinking that there's nothing better and doing it over and over and over again until you die. Sorry, that doesn't sound very fun to me. What is normal in, in relationships? Hopping from bed to bed to bed. And then maybe somewhere down the road you'll get married. And then when that doesn't work, then divorcing. That's normal in relationships. I don't want to be normal. I don't want my kids to be normal. I don't want you to be normal when it comes to relationships because it's not working. So I'm going to give you three statements now, three key thoughts that we're going to carry over the next six weeks. Number three, but it's the first of these statements, is if you want what normal people have, do what normal people do. Last week, I asked the group who was here. I said, how many of you, you look back spiritually at 2011 and you were either apathetic towards God, you know, just didn't, God didn't really matter, or your, your spiritual life was inconsistent and, and I, I let, I let, it, I lumped them in that, both of those, so nobody would say, you know, oh, I, I can't raise my hand because I'm apathetic. Anyway, I said, raise your hands if you're in one of those two categories. If, if 2011 was a messed up year spiritually for you, 90% of the people in this room said I was either apathetic or inconsistent spiritually. That's normal in the Christian life. And normal isn't working. So if you want what normal people have, do what normal people do. Don't take God seriously. Don't take the Bible seriously. Don't make church a priority. Just keep on doing what you're doing. And you will someday, if you don't already, you will someday regret. I don't want to be laying on my deathbed thinking I could have spent more time with Janie and the kids. I guarantee you I won't be laying on my deathbed going, I wish I'd have spent more time at the office. Oh, if I'd have just hung one more light. Second statement, or number four on your listening guide. If you want what few people have, do what few people do. 
If you really believe that there's something better than what you've been experiencing, you're going to have to do life differently. Jesus said you have to choose to get off this wide pathway to hell. You've got to make a conscious choice to get on this little bitty narrow path that very few weird people ever find. But you know what he promises to people who are weird? Joy, peace, security, purpose, eternal destiny. And that reunion I was telling you about in heaven. You don't get those things on the pathway to hell. So unless ACDC makes some major changes, they're going to be real disappointed when they get to hell. Jesus said some really strange things. Let me just give you some examples real quickly. I think you've got most of these, maybe all these on your listening guide. Matthew 20. So the last will be first and the first will be last. That's weird. My kids used to use this. Not at all in a spiritual way. We used to race home because we used to take two cars, you know, to church when we were in the old building. And whichever car the loser was in, the loser would jump out at home and go, the first will be last, last will be first. No spiritual thing whatsoever, but, you know, they were just using it because they were losers and they didn't want to be losers. So they, well, Jesus said, that's, that's, not, that's not what he's talking about here. Jesus said, if you promote yourself, that's all the reward you're ever going to get. He said, but if you lay down your life for others, he said, you'll get more than you can possibly imagine. Another weird thing he said, Luke chapter 6, give and it will be given to you. Oh, no, 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 no. Here's what we say. God, if you'll give me, let me win the lottery. Now, I want to win the lottery, but it's going to be tough for me because I don't play it. It's going to be one of those things where the wind is going to have to be blowing just right and it's going to flow into my car, you know, and I'm going to scratch it off. Woohoo! That type of, no, it's not going to happen. I don't play the lottery. I've got friends that do. I've got friends that call me and ask me to pray for them when they're playing the lottery. And I'm like, I don't think God does the gambling thing. And they're like, well, if I win, are you going to take the money for the church? Yes. Devil's had it long enough. Bring it over here to God. I don't have any problem with that. We'll, we'll pay off the building. We'll build a new building with the devil's money. We don't have any problem with that. But I'm not telling you to go play the lottery. That's not what I'm saying here. Jesus said... The way you demonstrate your heart towards Him is how you handle your money. And we as Americans, we want, we want God to give us something first and then we'll give back. That is not faith. That's testing God. And Jesus said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Faith is just what Jesus said. Give first. We give out the first 10% of everything that comes into us. We give 10%. And we're saying to God, we're not going to be ruled by money and we're going to follow you, and we're going to be weird. And Janie was praying last night, and she said, God, thank you that, that 2011, you provided once again. And, and our prayer life is really tied up in the church. It's not just us. And she said, you provided for our church, God, and you provided for us here at home. You did it again, God. God's way works. Weirdness works. Here's another thing he said in Matthew 6. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who hurt you. We say curse those who cur- curse you and hurt those who hurt you. Hurt them more than they hurt you. And Jesus said, no, that's not the way it goes in the kingdom of God. Matthew uh, 5, he says, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other one also. He's not talking about these cheeks. Oh, you missed one. No, he's not saying that. Jesus is saying, if someone is rude to you, what do we want to do? We want to be rude back. And isn't it really strange that if someone smacks me, Jesus says, because I'm telling you, 
the bad side of me will rise up. Don't don't try this today. Don't walk up and smack me because there's enough evil left in me that I might even hit you back. And then I would apologize profusely and help you up and let you hit me several times, you know, but but that isn't that strange? Isn't that weird to say? And then one of the weirdest things ever, Jesus said, when it comes to forgiveness. Don't just forgive two, three, seven times, forgive 70 times, seven times, 490 times. So I'm supposed to keep this little notch. I've forgiven Jeff 10 times, 11 times. No, I think we're close to 400. No, (laughs) that's not the point. You're not supposed to keep records. Jesus said, if they come to you and, and actually you're supposed to forgive them whether they come to you or not. That's weird. Very, very strange. The teachings of Jesus lead us off that normal path. And see, here's the thing. If you think that that what you have, if your Christian life is sometimes hard, if it feels difficult and it's different from what everybody else is doing, that's a good thing, not a bad thing. Jesus said you're going to have trouble in this world. Jesus said you're going to be persecuted in this world. He said, but this world isn't all there is. That's the good news. This world isn't it. I love my wife. I love my family. I love this church. But this is nothing compared to what heaven's going to be. No more sorrows. No more tears. No more watching my dad. My dad can barely get around anymore. No more watching him decay. In heaven, dad has a new body. And how many of you am I praying for right now? You put on your cards all the time. I've got this ailment. I've got this person who's facing cancer. I've got this. I've got this. And I pray for those things and I say, oh, God. Heal my friend or heal my family member if that's your will. But if it's not, God, give me the peace and give the family the peace and the grace to realize that there's more to this life than right now. Some strange stuff Jesus talked about. If you want something better then what normal people do, you're going to have to do something differently than you did in 2011. Well, here's, here's the last statement. Weird people don't think like normal people think. Weird people, okay, here's what happens with weird people. You see something that, that you want, you don't ask, do I have enough credit? You don't ask, can I get it? You ask things like, should I get it? You, you, you don't ask the wrong questions because the wrong questions lead you to the wrong answers. See, all of us are, are weird. Our type of weird, we homeschool our kids. That's weird. And I'm not saying that you're supposed to homeschool your kids. I've never told anybody they should homeschool their kids. God has a custom-designed weird for you. But you don't find that weird thinking like normal people think. You have to do something differently. Let's just take the idea of time management and let's look how weird people think compared to how normal think people think. And I want you to identify which one you are in the story. Jesus is talking about two sisters, a tale of two sisters. And in this story, he wants us to realize that normal people are so busy that they generally miss Jesus. And I'm willing to bet most of you miss him on a regular basis because you're too busy. Tale of two sisters in Luke chapter 10. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. 
Now, this is watch what she does here. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, what does Lord mean? Slave owner, the one in charge, she calls him Lord. She says, you are the one in charge. You're the one that, that I answer to. You know all things Lord. But then, Lord, you're not doing your job good enough. Let me give you some suggestions. You ever prayed like that? If you had not done it today, you've done it this last week. You've said, Lord, you need to do something about this. And God's answer either is, I already am, or no, you need to do something about this. She says, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Can you just hear the whine in her voice? Tell her to come help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worthy, uh, being concerned, worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. One sister is convinced she doesn't have enough time to do everything that needs to be done. The other believes there's nothing more valuable than sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to him. Which one of these sisters do we consider weird? The one sitting at his feet. Which sister does Jesus say, good job? Same one, the one sitting at his feet. Now, if Jesus were coming to your house tonight, you know Jesus is coming. What would you do? Would you let your house, would you let him come to your house just like it is right now? Liars. See, Martha's thinking, oh, someone's got to do all this work. Someone's got to be the adult here and do all the chores. And guess that someone, I guess it's me. Look at Mary. She's sitting on her big fat, because you know. You know, you don't just do when you're mad at somebody and you're telling Jesus you're mad at somebody or you're telling somebody else you're mad at somebody. You don't stick to the facts. You add to it. You get personal. So it's not in scripture, but she was thinking it. Mary sitting on her big fat backside cheeks. Doing nothing and I've got to do all the work. You know, she was thinking that. Martha not only misses the opportunity to hang out with Jesus, she thinks she's justified in missing the opportunity. So, you ever been so busy that you can't go to church? Ever been so busy that you can't pray or read your Bible? You're too busy. Mary wasn't being lazy. She wasn't using company as an excuse not to do the chores that she knew needed to be to be done, she was making a simple choice that hanging out with Jesus for this amount of time was more important than all the chores being done. When's the last time that you were fully present for a matters the most moment? There's nothing more important than the family that God's given me. And, and I'm like you, I'm, I, I, I get into normal mode sometimes. And my kids will say, hey, dad, you want to do something? I go, adult answer, give me a minute because I'm doing something important. A couple weeks ago, Caleb asked me to play basketball. And I said, dude, I can't right now. Went in the other room and, I, and, and God said, go play a game. How long does it take? I said, okay, I'll play one game. That was more important than going to Office Depot and getting some toner for the printer. 
a couple of weeks ago. It may have been uh, New Year's Eve. I think it was New Year's Eve. And I was doing something important. I was watching bowl games. And the girls came in. They said, hey, Daddy, would you play a game with us? But the game. And honestly, I don't even remember. Honestly, I do not remember who was playing on TV. But I remember sitting there playing with Janie and the girls. Back in December, I took Janie to Dallas. And we just hung out for a couple of days. Just me and Janie. And actually, it was her birthday present, so we went shopping. Holy cow. That's like the ultimate pluck my eyeballs out. But, but, but I did that because I wanted her to know that she was important. And, and, and she said last year, I did this last year, and she goes, that was a great birthday present. Go and stay in a hotel, and we go and we shop as much as she wants to. This year is kind of funny because we stayed with friends one night and then went to the hotel the next night, and I didn't sleep very well the night we were with the friends. And so um, I'm just dragging. I hate shopping anyway. Something about shopping puts me to sleep, but I am, I'm dragging. And she goes, why don't you go sit in the car and read? And I said, is it okay if I go sit in the car and sleep? And she goes, yes. And so I, I had, y'all you know, know I'm a psycho sleeper. So I had her headphones and she had downloaded a white noise thing onto her iPod. And so I'm in the middle of this massive parking lot. <clears throat> it was awesome. <laughs> we had a great time. And, and what she told me was, she told me something on that trip that really impacted me. Years ago, um, when I was in youth ministry doing all that stuff, and we, our kids were much smaller, and it's such a challenge when kids are smaller, um, we went to a marriage retreat, and we went to Houston. And uh, we used to have our kids in, in um, Mother's Day out one day a week, or sometimes two days a week. We'd do Mother's Day out because, you know, I mean, kids can drive you crazy because they'll suck everything out of you, uh, and they'll do it gladly. Um, and so we would do that, but Janie and I went away for this weekend and she said we were almost to Houston and, um, we're talking and we're laughing and, and about the time we get to Houston, she said, she just kind of felt this sigh of relief. Like she finally let go. And then she was looking at me, I'm driving and she's looking at me. She goes, now I remember why I like him. And, and that's funny. That is funny. You can laugh. That's okay. But we've done this several times when we go out on dates or we go on weekends We'll tell each other somewhere in the, in the deal, I remember why I like you so much. We get so caught up in the normal routine of life that we forget to make a marriage. We forget that our kids need us. But what, what my kids need more than anything is for me to love their mama and show them what a healthy marriage is. So I'm going to hang with my kids. I'm going to hang with my wife. And there are going to be times I'm not going to be here because I'm not going to put you in front of my wife or my kids. Not going to do it. God never told me to love the church. He never commanded me to love the church. He commanded me to love my wife. And if what I'm doing in my home isn't working, I sure don't need to be in this position. I've disqualified myself from this position. I don't want to be normal. I don't want to have normal kids. Normal preacher's kids. My kids are weird anyway. They can't help that genetically. Janie and me, that's just going to be strange. I'm serious, man. Y'all, y'all don't even know. Y'all have seen like this much of how weird we are. But we have fun together. But what I mean is I don't want to have pastor's kids that are, that are what you think of when, when somebody says preacher's kids. Don't want to have that. I don't want that to be normal. Martha thought she was right. And she thought anyone else in her right mind would be doing the same thing that she was doing. She's normal and normal misses Jesus. So my question to you is, are you normal or are you weird? 
Because if you missed Jesus this last week, you're normal. And I don't want you to do that again. If you're normal and someone asks you, can you do this? You think, can I? If you're weird, you think, is it the wise thing to do? Should I? Because based on my desire to have a family that's not normal, there are times I have to say no to other things so that I can invest in my family. Wise people do those things. Based on who I am, is it the wise thing to do? Some of you, some of you want to go to Haiti. I don't want you to go to Haiti because you can. I want you to go to Haiti because you're called. You go to Haiti because you can, you jack up the trip. You go to Haiti because you're called, you'll have a meaningful experience and you'll invest in people and it'll make a difference for eternity. You've got to ask the right questions before you get the right answers. And you know, how do people think when it comes to time, when it comes to relationships, when it comes to money? Broke people, broke people think today. How am I going to get through today? If they're not quite broke, they think, how am I going to get through this week? If they're a little less broke, they think, how am I going to get through this month? You know how wealthy people think? Year to year, really wealthy people think decade to decade. I don't want to be normal. I don't want to be like broke people. Let me tell you uh, how, how people think when it comes to relationships. Can I be just real, real honest today? Normal is sending your 15-year-old girl on a car date with an 18-year-old hairy-legged boy who's only thinking about sex. Let's just be real honest. Normal is sleeping with 10 to 12 people, maybe many, many more than that. And then maybe sometime down the road, you'll go before God and say, God, would you bless this relationship? And a lot of times we've already had sex in that relationship before we come to God. We've never confessed that to God. And then we wonder why problems happen. But we practice, we pretend to be married before we ever get married. And then when you pretend to be married and do all the married things, when it comes time to break up, what do you do? It's a divorce. That's why it's so stinking painful. Because you've done married things. When you're not married, you don't have the blessing of God and it rips you apart. That's normal. And then if you ever do get married, six, seven, eight years down the road, it's not what you thought it was going to be. It's not easy. It's not fulfilling all of your desires. What do you do? You do what normal people do in America and you get a divorce. That's normal relationally. And is it working? Is the next generation more committed to life and work and relationships than the one before it? No, and it's, it's our fault as adults. At some point, you can't blame your mom and dad for how you are today. I'm so sick of that. I'm sick of people not taking responsibility for their own lives. So my room was pink when I was a baby. I'm kidding. It's mom's fault. She made me this she-man that I am. It's not mom's fault. I'm sick of mediocre, me-centered Christianity. God wants to make you weird. He wants to get you off the normal path. And God has a custom-designed weird for you. Don't you dare copy someone else's weird. Weird for you, maybe God wants you to change jobs so that you can pour more into your family. Or maybe God wants you to free up some time so that you can work with the teenagers here at New Life or you can work in the children's area here at New Life. Maybe God wants you to go back into the workforce because you can do something there. I don't know what your weird is. 
But you'll never find what God wants you to do on the wide pathway to hell. You're weird. You'll only discover when you get on the narrow pathway that leads to life. God's going to call you to do some stuff. Ours, ours is homeschool. Ours is, we don't go to R-rated movies. We watch them on TV if they're on certain channels because they take the cuss words out and there's like one or two cuss words and I'm going to get out of there because I don't, maybe you're so much more mature spiritually than me. Maybe you can handle watching sex scenes and hearing that language. I can't, I can't handle that and stay anywhere near God. Normal is I can go to R-rated movies. I can't, I can't do that. Because it infects my mind with something that's normal. And, and I don't want to be normal. I want to be weird. Jesus didn't come so that we could have this, I need this, I need this, give me more, give me more type attitude. Look what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will find it. That's really weird. You can go to church all day long. That's still considered fairly normal in East Texas to go to church one, one day a week. I'm not talking about just coming one day a week. I'm talking about seven days a week worshiping God and that's weird and your friends will think you're weird and your family will think you're weird. But it's a fulfilling life like no other. And I'm begging you to get off the normal path. I'm begging you to join some of us weird people because your life will never be the same. Some of you, your marriage needs to be resurrected. But you keep doing the same things you've always done. Some of you, there are chemical dependencies that quite honestly are your God. You're worshiping those things. Some of you have the wrong priorities and it's why your life is out of whack. And man, I just don't want us to be normal anymore. I'm tired of it. And I think you are too. So let's be weird. Let me tell you about a weird thing that some new lifers are going to do in a couple of weeks. Starting on January 22nd, I'm, I'm calling a, a church-wide fast. And, and by this, I'm, I'm not saying anybody should do this unless you feel led of God to do this. Back at the back, there's something. I'm, Janie and I are going to do something called a Daniel fast. In the book of Daniel, chapter 10, um, Daniel talks about he was really seeking God and he spent 21 days praying to God. And he said, I had no choice foods and I drank only water. Excuse me. So Janie and I have committed. We're going to do a 21-day fast starting on January 22nd. Now, you can do a one-day fast. You can do a two-day fast, a three-day fast, a seven, ten, whatever you feel necessary, you can do that. But, but the purpose of fasting is to set aside a certain amount of time for a specific spiritual purpose. Well, I'm just going to tell you, there's two things I'm going to be praying for in my fast. New Life Community Church, that we will continue to reach out to other people, and I'm going to be praying for my children. That they will be radically obedient to a passionate pursuit of knowing God and making Him known. Now, I don't know what you're going to pray for, that's, that's custom weird. You ask God if you should be involved in the fast, and then you ask Him how long you should do the fast, and then you ask Him what you should pray for. And you don't tell everybody, we're not going to parade people up here, oh, I fasted, look at me. No, we're not going to do that. I probably won't even share anything about my fast until it's over. But the whole purpose is, 
to get so near to God, to, to say to God, we are, we are serious at New Life about being different. We're so serious about you, God, that for a certain amount of time, we're going to give up physical things so that we can grow spiritually. I don't know if you've ever done a fast, but it's, it's pretty powerful. God is powerful when we put ourselves in a position to get to know him. Remember in the Old Testament, he said, if you seek me, you'll find me. I want us to be so serious starting January 22nd. And, and what we're going to do is we'll have some guides back at the back. I've got a food list if you want to do the Daniel fast. The Daniel fast, I think I put this on your listening guide. Um, when you do the Daniel fast, it's fruits and vegetables and water only. There's no sweeteners. There's no chemical additives. There's, uh, there's lots of stuff. So we've got some instructions back there. There's some instructions on your listening guide. If you want to do that, we encourage you to join us. Now, we're also going to start on the 22nd. That's two weeks from tonight. We're going to start uh, our new small groups, and it's going to be about prayer. We're going to focus six weeks on how to know God, how to see God's power in our lives, in our marriages, in our family members. You may need to pray for somebody who's lost, who is on the pathway to hell. And you may need to pray for 21 days or years. I don't know what, what God's going to call you to do, but God wants you to be serious about him. And we're going to do something a little bit different, a little bit weird, and we're inviting you to join us. Would you bow your heads for a minute? Now, some of you, this is way radical. You never heard anything like this before. If this is way outside your comfort zone and you're not even sure that, that we're real or not, I want to just ask you to make a commitment to come back the next five weeks and hear a little bit more about this weird. And then just say to God, God, if you're real, if this stuff is real, show me. And be willing to follow whatever God shows you. Because some of you aren't sure God's real and you need proof. And so you pray, out, pray to God, God, if you show me, I'll follow you. Some of you need to pray that right now. Some of you, you realize that you've never had a relationship with Jesus Christ and you need to cry out to him. You're not in the family of God. You're one of those people that's on the highway to hell and you know it. Here's how you do it. You say, God, I'm a sinner and I need a savior. Will you forgive me and lead me? That's all you say. God, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. Will you forgive me? Will you lead me? Pray that silently in, in your heart, in your mind. If you do that, the Bible says that you are adopted into God's family based on Jesus' goodness, not yours. None of us deserves it. Now, the majority, the normal people here, the normal Christians here, you know you really hadn't been living for Jesus. The Bible says, if you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and forgive us from all righteousness. Some of you need to say, God, even though I am a member of your family, I've lived like I'm not. Please forgive me. And please ignite a passion inside of me. Father, I pray that you would speak to your people and that we would be forever different because we've encountered you today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.